0: Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, we're about to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai, and I want to tell you some, some stuff that I think, to me, is like very cool, very deep. I want to talk about levels of infinity, and um, not only that, but I, I want to actually touch on this idea about just um, the amazingness of pop art and and like artists like Andy Warhol and how all that connects to the sphere account, okay? And getting the Torah at Mount Sinai. <laughs> be- believe it or not, these things are going to connect. So so um, hopefully this will be uh, hopefully this will be interesting. Okay. So, so let's just start with the with the kabbalistic kind of model of the universe. So everybody knows that there are ten spherot. These are just sort of like different wavelengths of light in the world, and um, that's uh, that that that's an amazing thing because we have sort of like this 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 understanding. Of the different energies, divine energies that God used to create the world, and if you want to think about it in sort of like a very kind of um, just kind of meat and potatoes way, right? Um, imagine, imagine, uh, imagine, ice, water, and water vapor. Okay, so all of those objects, ice, water, and water vapor, all share the same. Um, molecule, which is H2O. But in ice, the molecules are moving very, very slowly. But it's H2O. In water, the molecules are moving more quickly. But it's the same substance, it's H2O. And then when you heat it like in a teapot, all the steam comes out. Again, it's still H2O, it's the exact same thing. But now it's moving very, very quickly. When God created the world, what he did was he took an aspect of the outer garment of his light and he compressed it until it became the physical world. Do you see that sort of like going from water vapor to water to ice, right? So it's it's divine light, but it's compressed divine light. Or if you want to think of it in more in terms of modern physics, imagine E equals mc squared. What, what, what's that all about? What did what was Einstein saying there? He was saying that energy can become mass, and he showed us the exact formula how energy becomes mass. Now, light is energy, so divine light becoming mass, meaning to say, divine light becoming the physical universe. That's how God created the world. So, so when we talk about that light. We talk about it in terms of Sfirot, or these different divine energies, and we have names for them. Chesed, Gevura, Teferit, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, and Malchus. So Malchus is the bottom one, and that's this dimension that we live in. Also known in a different model, this realm that we live in as Olam HaSia, which means the world of action. Very interesting. That's a, that's a very important peak into the importance of deeds according to Torah and Judaism, which is that it's very good, it's beautiful, it's wonderful to have a nice thought. But if you want to just sort of like harness that energy and to put it in the world in a way that's the most impactful, that thought has to become action because this world that we dwell in is the world of action. So that's why the mitzvot, are all, for the most part, very action-oriented. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. But it's all actions, because this is the world of action. Okay, very good. Now, if you notice, there are two things going on when we're counting these days, leading from leaving Egypt to getting the Torah at Mount Sinai. And of course, this period of time is a microcosm for the entire history of creation, the history of our own lives, and the perfection of the world. Because Egypt stands for exile, um, the light of God being covered over. We know that Egypt was the headquarters of black magic and um, idol worship. It was all about covering over God, right? So God takes these 10 plagues, and he, right, correlating with the 10 sphero, which is sort of our x-ray of the energies of the universe, God takes these 10 plagues, and he chips away systematically at all of the idol worship that had come to cover over his light and the awareness of the oneness of God in this world. And then once all of those clipotes, all of those barriers blocking our understanding of the oneness of God fall away through the 10 plagues. Now, all of a sudden, God gives us the 10 commandments, right, which reveal and concretize the 10 utterances that God created the world to begin with. In other words, God creates the world with these 10 utterances. They get completely covered over by idol worship in the world. The 10 plagues come, and chip all of it away, and then God gives us the Ten Commandments, which contains the entire Torah, showing us how to connect. So what I'm trying to show you over here is that this period of time that we're in right now, and we just made a very big breakthrough because today is Rosh Chodesh Sivan, today is the day that we got to Mount Sinai and united all together like one person with one heart. Today is a, a, a major turning point. I'm going to talk about another turning point in a moment. But that major turning point going from Egypt to Mount Sinai, which again is a microcosm of the entire journey that we've been on since the creation of the world and is a miniature of exile to Mashiach. So that's all taking place right now. It's very cool. It's it's amazing. Okay. And of course, what are we doing to facilitate this process toward the redemption of the world? Every single day, we're trying to rectify a different aspect of ourselves so that we should become pure holy vessels to hold that ultimate light. Okay. So now what I want to show you is, and I'll just preface this with a story that that I heard from Reb Shlomo. So, so he said that he was teaching a... He was teaching a class and he was talking about some of these kabbalistic thoughts, and someone in the in the you know in that gathering asked Reb Shlomo, "Where are your charts? Right? That you know, whenever I go to these Kabbalah classes, they all have charts. Where, where are your charts?" And Reb Shlomo said that that he related to us that he said, "You know, let's say you're you're with a tour guide in Paris, right?" The tour guide doesn't have a map. Why? Because the tour guide lives in Paris. (laughs) So he was... was, He wasn't... God forbid, Reb Shulman wasn't trying to show off, but what he was... He he was making a, a very deep point, which is that it's very easy to get very academic with these ideas. In fact, people get their, people who don't keep Shabbos, they, they get their PhDs in these ideas. I mean, it's, it's a, just a, you know, a wonderland for academics studying the different pieces that, that we understand create, create the universe. But that's not what it is. It's not, it's not a field of study. It's where we live. We have to live here. You know, this is, What's your address, right? So, Reb Shlomo said that if anyone asks you where you live, you know what the answer is? Shabbos. Right? That's your address. That's our address. It's like when we talk about these realms, th- these aren't these abstract kind of things. This is where we live. This is the universe that we live in. So, it's very important that we, that we, that, that, Hopefully, I'm communicating right now, but it's very it's very important that we understand that that this isn't the stuff of conjecture. It, this is what it is. Um, okay. So with that in mind, I wish I had a chart <laughs> to show you, so that this next thing that I say will become super clear. But um, I'll use my hands for for whatever that's worth. Maybe that that will be a little bit helpful. So. So anyway, on the on the second day of Pesach, we begin counting the Omer. And if you look, um, I know the Art Scroll prayer book has has a chart which makes this wonderfully simple and super clear. Um, it's after the Mariv, the evening prayer in the Art Scroll prayer book if you if you want to look at it. On uh, page two hundred eighty six in uh in in one of the editions, thank you. Um you you can find it. So so what it does is it tells you each day, like so for instance when you count the first day of the omer, if you kind of slide all the way end of that little chart, you'll see it says Chesed shebe Chesed. And then when you get to the second day of the Omer, it says Gvorah Chesed. And then when you get to the eighth day of the Omer, it says Chesed Sheba Gavura, And then when you get eight days after that, it will be Chesed Sheba Teferin. And all the way down till you get to the 49th day, where it says, Malchus Sheba Malchus. Now this realm that we live in, is, which I told you is called Olamasiyah, the world of action, it also has another name, according to what Kabbalistic paradigm you're working within. And so this world is also called Malchus. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that as we're counting from Pesach to Shavuos, to the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which again is a microcosm of the redemption of the entire world. It's talking about the the path of the world from exile to redemption, to the revelation of the oneness of God, okay? What's happening here is you're starting off on the first day with the highest aspect of light, chesed shebe chesed. By the way, I'll just tell you a little footnote there. On the second day of Pesach, when we say Chesed Shabbat Chesed, which is this highest counting, we don't, we don't even count the first day. Because the first day is beyond, 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 beyond. The first day is like the 50th day. We don't count the 50th day either. Because that's beyond, 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 beyond. So, so interestingly, we don't really count the very first day of the Omer, because that's the first day of Pesach, and we don't begin counting till the second day of Pesach. Which seems a little bit odd, a little counterintuitive, because you say, okay, let's start counting. Well, you know, there's a certain level that you can't count. It's just too beyond. That's why we only count up to 49 when we got the Torah on the 50th day. Because that 50th day of the revelation of the Torah itself, which happened on Shabbos, is just beyond, 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 beyond. You can't put a number on it. You can't put parameters around it. You know, the Torah interestingly gives a date for all the major holidays. It says Rosh Hashanah, Yom Din is the first day of the seventh month. It says Yom Kippur is the tenth day of the seventh month. It says that Sukkot is the fifteenth day of the seventh month. It says that Pesach is the first day of the uh, the fifteenth day of the first month. And then you get to Shavuos, and it says, count 50 days from Pesach. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't give a calendar date. It's the only holiday that doesn't have a calendar date. Why? Because it's beyond time and space. You can't pin it. You can't pin it to the calendar. Because when we go from the number 49 to the number 50, 50 represents the highest reaches of infinity. When we get to that level of infinity, the numbers become completely irrelevant. You can't do it. You can't even do it. They're not just irrelevant. You can't do it. Because we're in a dimension beyond. So what I'm trying to tell you right now is that that dimension beyond, which correlates with the 50th day, also correlates with the beginning of the count. Because the count only begins the day after Pesach. So you've got... Two infinities, and then you've got everything in between. And of course, um, there's a famous book, um, we should all live long and shouldn't know about it, but it's a famous book that, that many mourners read, called Gesher HaChayim. And it's called, that's I mean, the, the Bridge of Life. It's talking about our life in this world. And it says that basically, we our lives exist between two infinities. Right, the realm of souls before we're born, and Gan Eden, the afterlife after we leave this world. So, ne- Gesher HaChayim, the bridge of life, our lives parallel the counting of the Omer, because our lives too are sandwiched between two infinities. But now, I want to go deeper. So. So the count begins, and when we begin the count, we're talking about this highest level of light, right? Because on Pesach night, Pesach is the day that correlates with the redemption of the world. Okay, when God is taking us out of Egypt, that is, you know, the Zohar says that the future redemption is going to be based on God taking us out of Egypt. So, so contained within being taken out of Egypt were all future redemptions. I'll tell you a thought that I had one time. Um, you know, we, the Torah says that we, we did hard labor in Egypt for 210 years. Um, 210, uh, Gematria-wise, is um, Rasha's 200, 10 is Yud, so ratio and Yud, okay? So now listen to this. We know the Zohar says that the entire Torah exists within the word Breshis. right? Out of beginnings, with beginnings, God created the world. Breshis is the first word of the Torah. So the whole Torah is balancing on the first word of the Torah, okay? Breshis. The whole Tikkuni Zohar, by the way, it's just all explanations of the word Breshis. So so I was looking at the word Breshis one time, And I I realized that you could divide it into three sections. And this is what I'm about to tell you is now going to use all the letters of Breshis, okay? So the letter Aleph. So Aleph, everybody knows, stands for Hashem, because Aleph is the number one. But Aleph is also composed of three letters, Um, right? Yud, Vav, and Yud. And that adds up to 26, which is... The number of the Yudke Vavke, God's holiest name. So the letter Aleph is the number one, like God is one. And it's also the Yudke Vavke, because that's what it adds up to when you break it down into parts. So so you have the letter Aleph. That's the first section. Before the world was created, all that existed was God. Okay. And then the next section are the letters Resh and Yud. 210, which we just said stands for the entire labor and exile of the slavery of Mitzrayim. And we said that the Zohar says that all future redemptions are based on being liberated from this exile. So before, you have before the world was created, there was just the letter Aleph. This world, God's light is concealed. That's the exile. That's the two hundred and ten. And the remaining three letters, that's the third and last section, you know what it spells out? Again, using all the letters from Breshis, not repeating any letters, it spells out the word Shabbos. Isn't that awesome? Because Shabbos is the end of days. The, the, the period of Mashiach is known as Yom Shekulo Shabbos, the day that will be all Shabbos. So in other words, Breshis, using all the letters, can be divided into three sections. Before the world was created, the letter Aleph. There was only God. The middle, God's covered over. That's two ten. That's the Egyptian exile, and then the last section, Yom Shachula Shabbos. Shabbos, the day that will all be Shabbos. Okay. So, so now let's get back to the counting of the Omer. So the the very first day we don't count at all because that's beyond. That's the highest line. Okay. Remember. God shone that light when we when we got out of Egypt. I'll tell you something that the Divrei Yol, the Satmar Rebbe says. This is um, I learned this from Rabbi uh, Moshe Wilson um, uh, Shlita. So he said the following: that that the reason why the bread, the dough didn't rise in Egypt. Okay, so we know the conventional answer. The conventional answer is um, because we had to hurry, so didn't have time to rise. We had to take it out. And that's true, but let's go super deep now. The light from the 50th, the Shar Chamishim it's called, that means the 50th gate, that's, that's the number 50. Um, the light on Pesach from the Shar Chamishim, from the 50th gate, this highest level, right, this level that we don't count, right, um, was shining down. And when that's shining down, the dough can't rise. Because the leaven, right, the leaven in the dough, that stands for the Yitzhahara. And in the presence, the revealed presence of God, there's no Yitzhahara. <laughs> so the dough doesn't rise. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? So, so again, I'm just trying to show you that we're not beginning the count on the first day of Pesach, because that's the level of the light of the 50th, which is beyond counting, beyond numbers. Okay. Now, the next day, the day after Pesach, that's, that's the top of the light, or chesed sheba chesed, right? That's the top of the light that begins to shine down. That's when we can start counting. Okay. Now, I'll just tell you an aside, something interesting. On that day where we count the first day of the Omer, that's where we say the prayer for do. So, do is, is really interesting. Like you wake up in the morning and the grass is a little bit wet. What's that? That's dew. Well, it didn't rain. No, it didn't rain. How's the grass wet? Where did that dew come from? So you ready for this? The Gomorrah says that there's seven levels of heaven. And the highest level of heaven is where dew comes from. So dew comes from the top of heaven. And then it comes all the way down. Right. You want to hear something wild? Now that you understand that, how did God resurrect us at Mount Sinai? When God spoke, all of our souls flew out of our bodies. That's what the Gomorrah says. How did God bring us back to life? With dew. And now we find out where dew comes from, from the highest place in heaven. God shines that highest light back down into this world, that light of perfection. Down, back into this world where there's no death anymore. And then all of a sudden we come back to life. And that's what's going to happen in the end of days by Tachiyas Amesim, by the resurrection of the dead. God is going to shine that light down again. And we're going to become rebuilt. So we say the prayer for dew on the very first day, which correlates with Chesed Chesed, which is the highest place in heaven, which is Where dew comes from? Okay, good. But again, you see another correlation here between the beginning of the count of the Omer and Mount Sinai, because it's all heading to Mount Sinai, because God used that dew from the top of heaven to resurrect us at Mount Sinai on the 50th day. Okay. It all comes together, unbelievably, right? But not in an academic way. (laughs) This is beyond brains, right? This is not, we're like making charts and like just staring at them. This is where we live. This is our reality. Okay. So, so let's go back to the thought. We're still kind of trying to get deeper. So, so the count begins with the top of heaven. We don't count the first day because that number is beyond. The day after Pesach, the second day of Pesach, we we begin counting. Till we get, see where my hand is on the bottom here? Till we get to the 49th day. So what we're doing now is, now listen carefully, because this is the point. What we're doing during the process of counting is we're tracking the descent of the light, of this highest light, through all the sphere of Until it enters into this world. Until it enters into this world. Now, there are a few turning points. Let me just tell you one of the turning points, because this is amazing. Okay? When we talk about these seven sphero, all right, we divide them into two sections. You've got the bottom section, which we've been discussing up until now which is called Malchus, right? That's this realm, this dimension that we live in, also known as Olamasiyah, the world of action. Okay, so that's that's the material plane. That's the material universe. And then we have the six levels above that. Okay, so together, these are the seven weeks that we're counting till we get the Torah at Mount Sinai. These compose the 49 days, seven times seven. But really, it's a block of six weeks, and then it's the seventh week. And we're tracking the descent of the light from the highest place all the way down into this world. So now, another way of saying the six weeks and the bottom week, which stands for this world, right, is heaven and earth. Do you get that? This bottom week is Malchus, which is our plane. That's earth. The top six weeks are the spiritual realms. That's heaven. So we've got heaven and earth. That's what what these seven weeks can be divided into. Heaven and earth. Okay, good. Now listen to this. I'm really trying to emphasize this point because I want to I want you to make sure that you understand this next point, which is what I'm getting at. When we hit Malchus, when we break through to this realm that we're in, right, when the light of heaven breaks through to Malchus the first day, that sphere of the day is called Chesed Sheba Malchus. Okay? That's the first day this heavenly light enters into this realm. Do you know what day that is on the calendar? Yom Yerushalayim. That is the day that we got back Yerushalayim after 2000 years. And Yerushalayim is Yerushalayim. Look in the Torah. That's what that's what it is. It's a conjunction of two words, which basically means heaven and earth. That's what happens in Yerushalayim. That's why, you know, I know from a personal level, the first when I went there as an adult, the first time I went there as an adult, I experienced such this, this heavenly sense of peace. I couldn't understand. What are they talking about in the newspapers? Like you read about it in the newspapers, you think that it's like fighting in the streets every day. You can't like cross the street without like something going on. Some... But anyone who actually goes to Yerushalayim knows that you experience this, this bliss, this total sense of peace. Because Yerushalayim is that place where the heavenly light enters into this world. All the light is going to the Beis HaMikdash, right? It's all channeling into there. And I saw something deep that if, when you don't have a Beis HaMikdash, so where is the light entering through? Through all the tzaddikim in the world. Right? You make yourself into something holy, into someone holy, and you will become one of the pinpoints, one of the lightning rods where the light of heaven flows into the world through. You can become that during your lifetime in this world. So rare opportunity. You know, we're going to have the base of Migdash again. Until then, you can sort of be that pipeline of light into the world. You can achieve that through keeping the Torah. That's how you do it. Okay, so, so I'll just tell you something, just in honor of my mother. My mother's is, is was this week. Um, and the very day of her Yurtzeit is Chesed Shavu Yomi Yom That's when she left this world, right? Very appropriate. And my mother, Sarah Chaya, Bas Aria Leib HaKohen, um, she was awesome. I loved her so much. Still love her so much. I'll just tell you a couple of things about her. And we'll get back to the sphere account. She she really uh, she really loved people, and she was so full of energy. And she was the one who brought me to Reb Shlomo Shul for the first time, which was uh, which was awesome. Um, so it was a, she really oversaw my my Jewish education in the most loving way, and you know, what can I say about my mom? She was really, she got her PhD from Columbia University when she was 65 while she was working full time at Pfizer. How's that for a person of energy? Um, But she was just so full of life. Anyway, so listen to this. I'll just tell you just a story just about what happened this year. Because of the quarantine that's going on, I couldn't say Kaddish for my mother. So I arranged to have someone in Israel say it, okay? So Kaddish was said. But but you know, it's sad if you can't say Kaddish for your own mother, right? Um she she was I think this is her 22nd year that she's left the world. But but listen to this. Because we can't have gatherings of of 10 of of, of, of minyanim, right? So I couldn't say it. So the night before her yard site I get a text from someone saying, we need you to be the 10th man at a funeral, right at a burial. Can you do it? And so, you know, I called the 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 local Rav to ask if that was permissible, you know, and he says, Yes, just wear a mask and do social distancing. So, so I went to the I went to the cemetery uh, to, to help make the minion. Uh, but before I went, I realized, wait a second. Tonight is my mother's yard site. And, and for the first time in months, I'm going to be with a minion. Can I say Kaddish for my mother? Even though my mother's yard site isn't till like in a few hours later on tonight. So I asked this rabbi that I learned with in in Israel. And he said something awesome. He said, yes. So, there's never a problem saying Kaddish because there's no blessing, right? So, there's no halachic issue of Rucha Levatala or something like this. Getting a little technical, but those of you who understand, understand. But the question is, was it her yard side? You know, you want to say it on the yard Um And he said that there is a concept of absolute time. So, in other words, you know, we have all these different time zones in the world. So, What's the real time, right? And and if like, you want to just think about absolute time, what is the real time in the world? So whatever time it is in Israel, that's the real time. So he said to me, you're going to be doing it in the afternoon. At that time, it's going to be the next day. Your mother's Yurtzeit in Israel and your mother's in heaven. She's going by absolute time. So when you say Kaddish, you are going to be saying it on her Yurtzeit. Isn't that awesome? And I feel so privileged to have been able to to do that, even in the quarantine, even when ten aren't getting together. That I was able to do that, but that's testimony to to my mother, who my mother was. So she should be uh, a continuous source of uh, blessing for all of Israel. Um, and I can't pray for her without praying for my dad, right, Laban HaLevi, because I'm sure they're together. And. Uh, and, and, and all of our all of our loved ones, all of Israel and and then for the rest of us we should all live long and, and be healthy. You know I saw you know, hopefully we're all praying for everyone who is uh, afflicted with this with the corona and uh, but there's a prayer that that all of us should also keep in mind that, that I learned that the, the, the first bells Rebbe, the Sar Shalom says that that it touched me. Which is that the healthy should remain healthy. So that's something that we should always incorporate into our prayers, also not just when we pray for the sick, but that the healthy should remain healthy. That's very, very important. Um, okay, so now let's return back to our count and our our understanding of uh, everything that's going on. So, so, so just to uh, just to review the point. Just to review the point we're sandwiched during this count from Mount Sinai to receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai between two infinities. We get the Torah on the 50th day, but we don't count the 50th day because 50 stands for a place that's beyond any number. We don't even have a date on the calendar, right? In fact, not only does the Torah not list the date, it says count 50 days from from Pesach, but there's a debate in the Gemara whether the Torah was actually received on the sixth day or the seventh day of Sivan. And that's according to different counts, and that's very, very deep too. There's a lot of very, very deep Torah on that. In fact, let me tell you one thing from the Eretzvi, from Rav Frumer, the, uh, the, the Rosh Hashiva of Chachmei Lublin, who, who succeeded Rabbi Moshe Shapiro. Um, uh, Zecher Tzadach Levrocha. An, an amazing thought. You know, a lot of people have this question. They want to know about second day of Yontif in Chutzla Arts. In other words, Sivan, like, um, rather, Shavuos, we're going to celebrate it in Israel just one day. But outside of Israel, we're going to celebrate Shavuos for two days. And that's the same with all of the holidays. It's one day in Israel, and it's two days outside of Israel. So, so Frummer says something really interesting. He says that he wanted to move, because they say that Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the Gomorrah, that, that, that raises the opinion that the Torah was actually given the seventh day of, of Sivan, even though we celebrate um, Shavuos on the sixth day of Sivan, that the original date was actually one day later. That Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, wanted to delay it one day so that it would almost be like a two-day yantif, the second-day yuntif so that that light of holiness should go into all of the lands outside of Israel, so that even if you're not in Israel, which is the primary place to experience the oneness of God, and as the Ramban says, the primary place to do the mitzvah, nonetheless, outside of Israel needs extra help. That's why we do two days of yuntif because it's harder for us to feel the light. So, Moshe Rabbeinu anticipated our need for extra light in the exile, and so he delayed the giving of the Torah till the seventh day of Sivan, the second day of Yuntif, so that the second day of Yuntif would be filled with light for everyone who wasn't in Israel for all time until we came back. That's an amazing explanation, an amazing explanation. Because a lot of people say, well, wait a second, the reason why we have two days Yuntif is we're not exactly sure when Yuntif is because the calendars weren't as good as they are right now. And now, since the calendars are better, we know exactly when Yuntif is. So why do we need two days Yuntif? This is a very standard academic kind of like, um, you know, point that's raised and, and raised by people who are just coming close to Torah as well. Um, but these things are very, very, very deep. They're they're, they're deeper than that. They're deeper than that. Um, You're just like scratching the tip of the tip of the surface when you raise a a question like that. And you see that Moshe Rabbeinu was making sure that the light of the Torah was going to be able to penetrate all of the exiles until the redemption. And that's what's going on with 2nd Day Yontif. And that you can trace 2nd Day Yontif to the fact that the Torah was given according to this opinion on the seventh day of Sivan, so that Moshe Rabbeinu had this in mind right when the Torah was being given. This is awesome. You have to think about it. But it's awesome. Okay, so let's go back to it. We're still, we're still, uh, we're still understanding how how this period between Pesach and Shavuos. Right? Because we don't count the first day, we don't count on Pesach, because that's the light of the 50th. Remember, the matzahs didn't rise. That's what the Satmar Rebbe says, the Divrayon. The matzahs didn't rise, because how could there be any Yeh How can there be any leaven in the presence of the Char HaMishim, the, the 50th level of light? So we start counting the second day. That second day is Chesed Sheba Chesed and then we track down that light all the way down to malchus Shabu malchus to this world right and you know each sphere correlates with a figure from the torah malchus is david Melech. so the last day of counting right david amlech is, is is the soul of mashiach the last day of counting is malchus Shabu malchus the king david of the king david <laughs> Right? That's when we've done our whole job. That's when we've done our whole job. And I heard from Reb Shlomo that on the 49th day, on the 49th day is when David and um conquered Yerushalayim. So that's interesting. The same week, the same week as Yom Yerushalayim, which is the first day of Machuz Chesed Shevom Right? So that's that's what's going on there. And of course, David HaMelech is the one who established Yerushalayim as the capital for the Jewish people. He's the one who took the Ark of the Covenant from Hebron and, and brought it to Yerushalayim in the beginning of the building of the Beis HaMikdash. He wasn't able to build it, but, but he wanted to, and in his merit, his son was able to do it, okay? But the whole Beis HaMikdash is in David HaMelech's merit, okay? Which is really the completion of everything, Okay. Now, we get to the 49th day. The light has come all the way down. That's what we're counting right now. And then comes the 50th day, which is the revelation of God in this world. And not just the revelation of God in this world. The end of death. Because at Mount Sinai, the Jewish people reached the level of Adab and Chava before the world was created. It's the end of death. Okay, we do the golden calf, and we're still working back. But, but that's what happens on the fiftieth day, and it, isn't it interesting that the fiftieth day is Shabbos, and this year it's, it is Shabbos as well, right? Shavuos is on Shabbos. Okay, in in Chutzlarts anyway. So, but the Torah was given on Shabbos. And of course, the year of perfection is called the day that will be all Shabbos. In other words, when that highest light comes all the way down on the 50th day, everything becomes Shabbos. Now, I want to tell you something amazing. This is again from Rob Frumer, right? Who we mentioned earlier about explaining why Moshe Rabbeinu added an extra day. Excuse me. So Rob Frumer says the following. Something Awesome, 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 awesome. So, the Torah was given on Shabbos, right? It's filled with the light of Shabbos. You know, by the way, the word orot, which means lights, right? Each mitzvah is a light. Do you know what the gematria of the word orot is? You ready for this? Six hundred and thirteen. that heavenly light that was revealed at Mount Sinai contained the 613 mitzvahs. So now listen to this. At Mount Sinai is when we became the Jewish people. Right? We were Jews from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Right? And our Holy Mothers as well. But the concept of the Jewish people. That happens at Mount Sinai. Okay. So we become the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. Now listen to this famous Midrash, I, I believe it's from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, one of my favorite Midrashim. It says, Sunday has a soulmate. It's Monday. Tuesday has a soulmate. It's Wednesday. Thursday has a soulmate. It's Friday. But what happens to Shabbos? Shabbos is left out in the cold, right? Because there's seven days to the week, right? So where's Shabbos' soulmate? So Shabbos says to God, who will be my soulmate? And God says, your soulmate will be the Jewish people. So now remember, remember, the Torah was given on Shabbos. On Shabbos, we became the Jewish people which means when the Torah was given to us, we became the Jewish people, which means we became married to Shabbos. (laughs) Now listen to this. This is why I'm telling you it, by the way. When we married Shabbos, because when you are together with your, your, your other half, right, you become one and you become even stronger. So what happened when Shabbos married the Jewish people? Shabbos got even stronger. So Rav Frumer Zecher Tzadok says that when Shabbos married the Jewish people, Shabbos was able to break out of just being one day a week, and it, was being, it became seven days a week. That the Kedusha, the holiness of Shabbos, was able to break out of its time space one day a week, Situation, and it was able to spread into all the days of the week. Isn't that incredible? So when the Jewish people became the Jewish people, Shabbos became seven days a week, meaning to say the light of perfection spread throughout time and space. So I just, this thought came to me a while back. I share it with you on a practical level. You know, Shabbos is Yom Shvi. it's the seventh day, that's what that means, Yom HaShvi. When you make Havdalah at the end of Shabbos, you have an opportunity. Every week there's a, a fork in the road that stands before you when you make Havdalah at the end of Shabbos. You can either drop down to the first day of the week, so you go from the seventh day of the week back down to the first day of the week, or you can go from the seventh day of the week to the eighth day of the week. You have that opportunity. In other words, you can take Shabbos with you into the week, because Shabbos has that power. But we have to do that. We have to. We have to facilitate that, right? Because there's that marriage between us and us and Shabbos now, and we can bring Shabbos into the whole week. One of the holiest torahs I ever heard in my life. My, my, my five-year-old first son said it. We were putting the wine, you know, after you. You know, you take the Havdalah candle and you pour out the remainder of the wine from the Kiddush cup, put out the light of it, and then what I mean, you talk about practical Kabbalah, what kind of potion are you making with the fire of Shabbos and the wine of, you know, I mean, it's like, you think about it, I, I don't know what its properties are, but I'm sure that they're quite amazing. And you take that and you put it over your eyes, right? You should see the world with the eyes of Shabbos. You should only hear words with the ears of Shabbos. You should only speak with the words of Shabbos, right? Some people put it on their loose bone, right? Where we're going to live forever from, right? Just the eternity of Shabbos. Yom shakula Shabbos. And then people put it in their pockets also. They, they say that's a, a blessing for Parnosa, for livelihood. So... My son, he was five at the time. He says, "You know why you put wine in your pockets? So that you can carry Shabbos with you all week long." And that's what it is. That's that's the emus. It's the emus. It's the emus. Okay. So now let's let's uh, go another step deeper. So this light. Is coming from the highest place in heaven. It's coming all the way down into this world. But but what is going on also as we're tracking the descent of the light from Chesed shebe chesed to Malchus Shabbamhus? Right? As we're tracking the light from the highest place all the way down to this world. What, what, what is also going down as we're tracking the light down from above to below? Okay, We're tracking the light from above to below. What's going on simultaneously? We're counting from below to above. Because even though the first day of the counting of the Omer correlates with the highest light, We count one, and then we count two, then we count three, then we we count all the way up to 49. So in other words, as the light is coming down, we are counting up, meaning to say the following. Here's the point. You've got the above to below going on, which is making this world holier. But as the light is coming down, we are going up. We are rising up, and that's why the counting on our side is going from 1 to 49. Because with each stage that this higher light is coming closer to us, we are coming up and raising ourselves up. I'll give you a a visual. When you pull up a shade, you're pulling up the rope, right? So you're going up with the shade, and more and more light is coming down into the room. (laughs) As we rise up, more light comes into the world. Okay? And as we perfect that mita of the day, we become a clearer and clearer channel window for that light of that day to come into the world. That's why it's so important for us to fix our mitos, to rectify our own personalities, because we become the channel for that light, the window for those lights to come into the world. See, if we're all blocked up and all boarded up, right, then the lights coming into the world, but it's not quite coming into the world. right? As we talked about it a few weeks ago, I won't go through it because we spent about an hour discussing this one thought. But the first time you see the Yudke Vavkei in the Torah is right after this word, Behi which means Be-Avraham, says the Zohar, the same letters. So in the merit of Avraham, all of a sudden you see the first Yudkei Vavkei, meaning to say that the, the light, the highest light of the world flows through us. That's the, that's the point. But in order for it to flow through us, we have to be a clear window for that light. I once heard Rabbi Gedalia Fleer say something beautiful. He said that if you give, if you give, this is what he said. I I was always moved by this. He said, if you're not so spiritual and you give someone, say, some money on the street, right? He'll say thank you. But if you are somehow like just, you know, shining, whatever it is, and you give that same person a dollar, he'll say, thank God. Anyway, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. The, the point is the point of it. The point is, when we refine ourselves and purify ourselves, people see the light of God entering into the world. That That's the point. That's the point. Okay. Now I want to go deeper, actually. Okay? So So we promised to talk about pop art, right? and, and Andy world. <laughs> so let's try to get to that thought. You see, everything is levels of infinity. Because remember, God fills the entire world. Which means that everything is infinite, but there are levels of infinity. This is the this is the new thought. It's not enough just to use the word in, infinite. Infinite is a nice word; it's a beautiful world, word, but it's um, it's not precise enough. So let me give you an example, a very real example. All of us have neshamas. That's that's your soul. Okay. Your soul is a piece of God. But it's not the entirety of God. You don't have the entirety of God inside of you. You have an emanation of godliness inside of you. That's what lights you up. That's your soul. So think about it. Even an emanation of God is infinite. So you have infinity inside you. We all have infinity inside of us. But that's not the entirety of of God. God exists beyond 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 beyond. But we are saying that light of God within you is infinite. Ah, so that's interesting. What does that tell us? That tells us that there are levels of infinity. So now, the way I became familiarized with this idea is I was reading this, this book about um, infinity um, uh, on a mathematical level. Um, and, and, and the author made this wonderful point, which I love, I really love, which is I'm going to use pi as an example, but there are many examples, but pi is maybe the most famous. So let's, let's do that. So if you were to ask me as a child, what the definition of infinity is, I would have said to you, well, there's you count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, and you go on and on and on and, on and 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 you never get to the end, and that's the definition of infinity. You just keep on counting, and you never get to the end. Okay, that's, that's okay for, you know, for starters, but, but it's deeper than that. You see, just to give the example of pi, but there's tons and tons and tons of these examples pi is 3.14159 and then it keeps on going and it keeps on going and it keeps on going and and it's called an irrational number and they've tracked it for tens of millions of digits because people have thought hey wait a second you know we've got computers now we can we can see like eventually this number is going to repeat like there's a like a hidden rhythm in it, but if we go long enough, we'll see that it will actually repeat, that it can't truly be random, or irrational, right, or infinite, say, can't just keep on going, right? Well, they've run it on computers for tens of millions of digits, and it doesn't repeat. Isn't that amazing? And that's just the most famous example. They're all, there's tons of these numbers, Okay. So now think about it. If you're counting just between the numbers three and four, you will never get past pi. (laughs) Because you will never finish pi, (laughs) which means the infinite exists between numbers. Do 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 you understand? Do you understand what I'm talking about now in terms of levels of infinity? It's not just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and you keep on going. And then that number in the zillions and zillions of digits, that's, that's the infinite. You've got the infinite between numbers, which means there's levels of infinity. All right. Now let's return back to this world. You've got a piece of God inside of you. That's one level of the infinite because it's not all of God. But then you've got God himself, which is. Infinite beyond all infinities. Okay, but now now we're getting to the point. The point is that this world that we live in is also infinite. The baseline for this world is also infinite. Compared to the higher realms, we call this finite. And then the higher realms are infinite. But what we see now is that there's levels of infinity and that God fills this world and that even this world is infinite. So all there is is infinity. We dwell amidst infinity. The baseline reality of our reality is infinite. This is what the Ramban is probably saying. When he says that every single moment is a miracle and that everyone, anyone who says or doesn't understand that every single moment is an independent miracle does not have any share in the portion of Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, the Ramban is saying something so strong. He's saying that you can't even begin to understand what the Torah is talking about unless you understand that everything is miraculous, that everything is infinite. Okay, so now here's my tiny little observation. You know, when you walk into the Whitney or you walk into, you know, like MoMA or a top museum, and you see like Coke cans, or Campbell's soup cans on the wall, right? And you're like, ah, I mean, everyone's got different tastes, but to me, it's like, wow, it's so beautiful. It's like art, you know. How do you make art out of a bottle of Coke? How do you make art out of a Campbell's soup can? Because what it's showing you is how the infinite exists within the finite. How high art is completely surrounding us in the mundane, in everything that's around us. That's why they're putting these paintings in museums. Because there's this transcendence that's happening, even amidst what we would call the ordinary. And now we can understand the zodiac sign of the month of Sivan, when the Torah was given, which is the twins. Because what the twins stand for is the above to below the heavenly light becoming revealed in this world and the below to the above are channeling that infinite light back into heaven or if you want to call it torah and Tefila, torah and prayer or torah the revelation of torah and torah the receiving and the revealing of the meaning of Torah and the living of Torah. Those are the twins. That's the month of Sivan. And that's our life. So Hashem should bless us that we should know that we dwell amidst the infinite. That we make that our lives. That it's not academic charts in a book. It's where we live. It's where we live. And to receive the Torah, not just on Shavuos, but we should receive it on Shavuos, with renewed vigor and renewed dedication and energy and commitment, but also to receive it every single moment, because the world is being created and recreated every single moment. And to take that light and to allow it to shine through us into the world by really fixing ourselves and making ourselves pure so that all of our actions, with everyone we deal with, they should experience that light and be able to understand God better. Okay. Good chavez good job, good yontif. What follows now are some so, questions and uh, answers. Chesed is Avraham, Gevura is Yitzchak, Teferit is Yaakov, Netzach is Moshe, Hod is Aaron, Yesod is Yosef, and Malchus is David. And I'll just tell you a system that I came up with one time. Um, I haven't seen anybody do this. And there's a, maybe one day I'll put together a book on this, or unless someone beats me to it, which means that every single day, you could say, like, the first day of the Omer, you could say is the Avraham of the Mm Avraham. The second day would be the the Yitzchak that exists within Abraham. The third day would be, so 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 every single day it would be the, the Yosef in the Moshe, right? The, 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 the Yaakov in the Aaron. Every, every single day would be a different revelation of a different combination of personalities. And if you think about it, you'll be able to find an instance or a description of, of what that is. And it's a completely different way to go through the sphere. I think it would be a very intense and beautiful uh, thing just to see oh, it all good. laid out. So, like so, how they live within each other. Yes. Okay, good. So one thing to know is that all 10 sphere road are in each of this sphere road. Okay? Okay. So, so that's that's one good thing just to know from your um, modeling perspective, you know, in terms of just, just grasping it. So, um, which means that... The ten are really a hundred sferot, mm-hmm. and there's a a dvar that I wanted to say on that, which is that um, Abraham Avinu is really the one who revealed the oneness of God to the whole world, and he had ten tests, and he scaled to the to the to the to the greatest heights. He by the Ekedus Yitzchak right the binding of isaac passed the greatest test that any individual has ever been given in the history of the world right so he scaled the highest highest heights so you want to hear something really cool lech lecha which is the journey of abraham when god says to abraham go forth lech lecha is gematria 100 so in other words you want to track his journey the track the journey of abraham avinu it's Lech Lecha, go forth, and that's from the bottom to the top of heaven, right, in terms of journeying up to his 10th test, right, which was the Akedus Yitzchak, or, if you want to look at it the other way, bringing that light down to this world. <laughs> oh my goodness. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. I was I was working at it, at Equinox, and it was Parshas <laughs> Lech Lecha, and I just started laughing, you know, and the guy thought I was crazy. But that that thought came to me while I was on the treadmill. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so the benefits of exercise, it expands our capacity to create. Yeah. Thing. So, so let's, um, let's answer your question though. Okay. So you've got, you've got this model of the 10 sfera. So, so really, it's broken down into three, three different sections. You've got the top three, right, which is Hachma, Bina, and Das, or right. um, Keter, Hachma, and Bina. There's two different systems, but both of them describe those top three. Okay. And that light is so exalted that sometimes I'm we're talking. not sometimes we're not even talking about that light. It's I'm just too high. So that would be that would be the example of um Like, remember I I told you uh, that we begin counting on the second day of Pesach? Mm -hmm. So the first day... Correlates with the top three. Yeah, like correlates with that top three. It's like beyond, 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 beyond. Okay. Okay? So now we can begin talking about, in in like Kabbalistic Sfarim and Hasidic Sfarim, the lower seven um, are called the Zayin Tachtonim. The seven below. So sometimes you'll see just like the letter Zion, slash, slash, Tachtonim, And they're talking about what we go through um, uh, during Sfirah from Chesed to Malchus. And that seven is divided up into six and one. So basically the ten, you've got the top three, the six, and then the one. Okay? Okay. okay. And so basically, because we're talking about levels of infinity... The top three are so beyond that they almost don't even have to enter into the discussion because they're so exalted so 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 a lot of times we're just talking about the the, the bottom seven, which kind of more relate to the rectification of our midos, so they're a little more relevant to us. but basically basically you're talking about the same thing because both models are basically talking about heaven and earth, you know. Malchus, the bottom one, is always going to be talking about our realm. And then whether you're talking about the six above it or the nine above it, you're talking about heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And you'll see in the Tehillim, you'll see one of the frequent phrases that David HaMelech uses is, Shmei HaShmayim. You probably recall that. And it's the heavens of the heavens. Uh What's that talking about? The heavens of the heavens. That's talking about all these different higher expressions of heaven. Right? So here you see an example of it. Whether you're talking about the seven or the ten, do you, do you understand? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, would you? Can you also like incorporate the rakia and shemayim? Is that rakia maybe sort of like the seven below, or that? I don't know. That was just a thought that popped into my head. Yeah, like where does the rakia fit Rikia, in? Comment. So yeah, so the rakia is the firmament. So does that is that the the top of the seven or is that the top of the ten? I I don't know, him, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. but no, it's a good you know, question. The, yeah, the seven. I was also thinking, just seven usually symbolizes nature. So, sort of like within our access, even though nature obviously is miraculous, but seven is sort of within our accessibility. Right. right? Yeah. Remember, even even angels, which are completely spiritual creatures, are cre- creations. In other words, there is a, a teva, a nature. And even though it's super purified and exalted, there is a nature to even angels. They are created things. So what I'm trying to tell you is even within the heavens relative to God, who has no boundaries and has no Teva, um, even the angels have an aspect of nature to them. So, so what I'm trying to tell you is I'm just agreeing with you that, that even when we're talking about the, 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 that, that seven even though six of those seven really is that heavenly area, even that has a degree of definition and formation which correlates with nature. Uh-huh, okay. Even though it's super exalted and refined, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Thank you. Thank yeah, you. the The first day, the the first day we don't count, the, the day of Pesach we don't count because that light is beyond, and we said, like, the, the dough isn't rising because the dough has leaven in it that... That correlates with the Yetzirah, and the Yetzirah, doesn't. There's no presence of it in the full revelation of God, right? We say that at the end of days, death itself is going to disappear. That's that's the same concept, you know. Remember, the Gemara says in, in Baba Basra, the, the Gemara says that the Malacham right, the 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 angel of death, the Yetzirah, and the Satan, the the heavenly accuser, are that's all one energy. they're all the, they're all synonymous, basically. So this idea that the dough isn't rising, the, the idea that the the Yitzhahara isn't there on the when the light of the fiftieth on the first day of Pesach, which correlates with the total redemption. So it makes sense that there's no that there's no leaven there, that the that the dough can't rise there, um, because there is, there's no presence of that energy within the full revelation of godliness, which we correlate with the fiftieth day. Okay, all good. The second day we do begin counting. It's on the second day that we make the blessing for due. So do does does um, does come from the highest place. It's not the 50th. It's not the 50th, but it is the highest place. And we do make the prayer for do on on that on the day that is the first day of counting. okay. So that's when that that light is starting to enter really into the world in a way that we can start counting it, okay? Um, and, and interestingly, it says on the 50th day, that God is going to take due and bring us back to life. And it says, where did God get that due? And it says he used it from the Dew that all the dead are going to be resurrected at the end of days from. So again, we've got this correlation between due and coming back to life. So so the Gemara says, where does dew do come from? It says that there's seven heavens, each higher than the last, and the highest heaven is where dew comes from. So you see that dew correlates with this region of light in heaven. Now, whether you want to say it's the 50th level where that dew comes from, or the 49th level, I don't know. I don't know. But, but you see that it's really high up there, okay? And, and so that dew is coming down. And, and it's, it's that aspect of light that's coming down into this world, that's revivifying us, it's bringing us back to life. So that's, that's the idea. And just like it brought us back to life at Mount Sinai, where we reached the level, the Gemara tells us, of Adam and Chava before we ate from the Tree of Knowledge, so, too, that same dew is, 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 is going to be, um, you know, active on us, is going to activate us when that light comes down, when the dead are resuscitated at the end of days. Is that clear? I think so. I think I had also heard something distinguishing the prayer of rain from dew, is that dew is more gentle. Uh, rain could be harsh or it could be gentle, but dew is always gentle. And therefore, yeah. we can receive it in a way. Um, yeah, is that something of a concept? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yeah. Because you've and got different know? different types of rains. Some some rains can be punishing rains. You know. Mm-hmm. Another thing I was thinking of is that it's on day two, and brave sheet starts with the letter Bet. And you were talking about right. brave sheet earlier. I was thinking yeah. there's a connection there. Yeah, that's a beautiful connection, because Bracius is the creation of the, of, of the physical world. So already with the creation of a physical world, you have this illusion of duality. You have this sense that, well, there's us and there's God, or maybe there's just us. Like, you know, sometimes they call this world that we live in the world of separation. Right? So so that's this idea of base, you know, of, of, of two. personally do to kind of be aware of what it is these different levels or so there's some there are a couple of books out that i would recommend that that go day by day and will give you exercises and and fuller descriptions of what's special about these days one is by rabbi heber h-a-b-e-r and um you can look that up and another is by rabbi simon jacobson um, and he also has uh, a book taking you day by day through the Omer. And I think that would be probably the, the, the best place to start because both of those books are very um, accessible and really written um, uh, for a person who wants to apply these ideas practically. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for a new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.